Hello, I'm Charles Commons. This is Tech Demand Weekly, my new podcast in conjunction with techdemand.com. Over the coming weeks, we'll be talking to some of the leading content producers for B2B marketing campaigns and getting their tips and advice on how you can make your content better. We start off the series by looking at what the Content Marketing Institute says is the fourth most used type of content by B2B marketers in 2018. White papers. I've seen over particularly the last five years a sort of realisation that inbound marketing is, is very powerful. You frame your argument, your ad or your, your persuasive bit of copy uh, to get people to want to look at that white paper. The first question is audience. Always audience, audience, audience. For the last 25 years, Dave Howell has been working as a freelance writer, journalist and publisher. He specialises in technology and business subjects and is also known as his company name, Nexus Publishing. During his career, Dave has written for both the B2B and B2C markets, so I decided he would be the perfect person to talk to about writing white papers. I started by simply asking him what his definition of a white paper is. Now, basically, um, a mechanism that businesses can use um, to, to do a number of things. Um, mostly, they are used, um, I guess, to persuade people that uh, either a product or a service is for them. Um, so a business, uh, say in the software industry, for instance, who have been using white papers for, for decades, um, they, they, they want to write something that sort of encapsulates what that application is about. Um, uh, what does it do for, uh, for, for the end user? Why have they created something, whatever it is? Um, and you can, you can write, write a white paper that, I guess, really goes quite in depth in some aspects of, uh, of the service or the product. Um, and gives people a, an overview and uh, a, a kind of insight into into what your business is doing. Um, it's it's really about trying to understand what do you want to do with the information you've created something, whatever that is, uh, you know, widgets or, uh, or a service or a product. Um, but how do you explain that to people? Um, yes, you can build websites, of course, you could do email campaigns, etc. But often people people want something that's more concise. They they want um, a document or they want something that they can download and maybe read at their leisure. That that gives the information that they're looking for, and that's that's in in essence what what a white paper is. Okay, brilliant. Um, so one of the things that I was kind of looking at when I was looking at you know um, um, how white papers are being used and who's using them um, was the fact that. Um, in 2013, according to The Guardian, 61% of B2B marketing businesses were using white papers uh, as part of their marketing campaign. But that figure's now increased to 71%. So what makes the white paper such a big part of the marketing strategy? And where, where do you think it fits in amongst the other strategy tools that are available? Uh, well, that, that's all about how, um, how I guess, PRs and marketing departments have, have changed their, um, their approach to how they actually do their marketing. Um, I've seen over particularly the last five years um, a sort of realisation that inbound marketing is, is very powerful. Uh, now, what we mean by inbound marketing is, is, uh, is you create a piece of collateral, in this case a white paper, uh, that gets put onto various uh, locations, uh, goes onto your social media, it goes onto relevant uh, blogs, websites, etc. Uh, and that piece of uh, collateral, that material, that white paper, 
then links back to uh, to a landing page. That's the inbound aspect of, of this whole thing. And what they're realizing is that's extremely powerful. That's a very good way of getting people back to a, to a website or a landing page, which talks about the product or service, which they're trying to promote. That's that's what they're trying to do. Um, well, I think what, what the, the ad guys in particular and the marketing people have realized is um, these have been around for a long time, uh, but maybe the 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 channels and the mechanism to get these into the hands of people uh, haven't been around. Now, social media, how long is Facebook? Ten years old, is it? I think uh, it's just just got it's uh, it's sort of it's a decade old or something. Um, so before that, how did you get this stuff into into the hands of people? Um, it was very difficult. You had to get someone to come to your site, fill the form in, and download the paper. So how did you get people to your site? That was the that's what they've been sort of doing for for decades. Now we have social media, blogging. Uh, loads of other different channels, uh, apps um, on, on mobile devices. So you put the material there, uh, that's where people access it, that's where people see it, and that links, links back to, to your website. That's new channel, that's where white papers are very powerful, and that's where you're seeing an uptick in um, uh, really the amount of papers and other, other reports and other materials which are being used as inbound marketing devices. So it's not really a case that uh, my next question was going to be about how relevant are they compared to now you've got social media, um, which is, uh, according to the information that I've looked at, 94% of businesses are now using social media as their main tool. Yeah. But actually what they're using that for is is to sort of use the, the other tools available and put them through social media to get more leads. That's right. That's, what, that's, the, that's the misunderstanding. Um, I think... Generally, in the marketplace, people tend to think, okay, let's, let's use social media for our business. Well, what does that mean? Uh, you know, when people approach me and say, can we do a social media campaign? My, my first question is, well, what's it for? You know, what, what's, your, what's your aim for that? And it goes very quiet on the phone because they haven't really thought about it. They haven't really thought through, what are you going to use it for? You know, social media is fantastic as a way of uh, connecting with an audience. But when you want to, say, promote uh, a new product or service, how are you going to do that? Um, just putting blog posts up or Twitter, um, uh, Twitter posts are really aren't going to cut it because people read that material. Where's the call to action? What, what are you asking them to do? That's where the white paper kicks in. You, you frame your argument or your, your, your ad or your, your persuasive bit of copy uh, to get people to, to, um, to want to look at that white paper. Uh, that's where the social media kicks in. That's what that's, that channel is, is for. But you have to take that final step. It's not simply just creating a, another Facebook page or another um, a Twitter feed. It has to have some kind of purpose. And often the purpose is to uh, really to, to shout about this new piece of material. You know, we have a new software application, for instance. Do you want to learn about that? Well, guess what? We've created this uh, really fantastic looking piece of material, this, this white paper. Um, you can download it here, you can come here, you can get whatever it is to, to get people to, to look at that. And ultimately, of course, it's uh, the call to action back to a website or to, to get people to pick up the phone and talk to whichever companies has produced that material. So social media is there, but it's, it's really there as the channel to, to connect people with uh, the material which you've produced. Okay, so one of the things I've noticed an awful lot, I think most people have noticed also, with the likes of YouTube becoming more available, even podcasting being more popular than ever, are we seeing a generation gap forming between people who know the old, maybe traditional methods 
and now you've got the younger generation going towards social media doing youtube series to tell their story and then putting at the end download our white paper here do you think there is a gap there between the generations um again i i think it's your it's your audience um if we're talking about the good old millennials which everyone sort of you know bangs on about um I can show you statistics which tells you people that, that says that uh, you know millennials don't read anything anymore. You know they've never bought a print book in their lives. And uh, another stif- a stat will say actually no, they they're all they're gravitating back to print uh, print materials etc. And everything in between. Um, my my sort of view is to is to understand really who the audience is, uh, and then into context of whatever it is you're trying to do with your white paper. So if you are trying to um, really profile, uh, say, a new service, um, the key for the marketers and the PR guys is to understand who that service is for. Go and profile these guys. You know, where do they hang out? What are they reading? Are they downloading stuff off, uh, off websites? That kind of thing. Or would they rather see, uh, see a, a video than read some text? That kind of thing. And often... It's all of those things. Um, what I would say is that there's no either or. It's not a case when you're sat there in your marketing meeting, do we do we create a video or do we create a white paper? I would argue you do both because the, the mechanisms to, to get that material to these groups will depend on who they are, where they are, what are the materials they're interested in, that kind of thing. And that's where the profiling kicks in. Often, people will look at several things. They may look at uh, a video first. Um, a call to action takes them to the white paper. Then the white paper takes them to the landing page on your website. That kind of circular uh, marketing, that's really where the power lies. It's not a case of one thing or another. It has to be integrated. There has to be a social media campaign or at least an element in your entire overall campaign. White paper is an element. Uh, A podcast is an element. And the video is an element. All these things linked together. and that's really where the, the power lies. It's, it's understanding your audience and then saying, okay, um, we know maybe from, from a, a previous campaign that 70% of our, our people um, don't download the, don't download, they don't, do not download the materials. They're not interested in reading PDFs. They'd rather watch a video. Then, you, then your spend goes on the video. Uh, but if it's sort of 50-50, then you're pretty, I think the idea is to do everything. It's, it's to it's just create all these different pieces of collateral because that's how the market wants to access your materials. It's understanding the channels, understanding the end reader. Um, often, I think, too much focus is placed on creating a wonderfully-looking video and a fantastic-looking PDF uh, white paper um, and not enough focus on who's this for? You know, what, what, why are you creating this material and who, who is it for? And across the big question which channel are they going to use to access it so it's actually it's, it's more a case of that it's the the audience that is is maybe where the generation gap is there is that you know you, you might have to look at your audience and go right well we are targeting millennials more than yep. the Absolutely. older generation. Yeah, if you if, if you if you are targeting say mid 50 mid 50s uh c-suite um they are not going to respond too well to a Facebook or a, a Twitter campaign because they've been reading PDFs for the last 30 years. That's how they access them in their materials. That's, that's how they want to read materials. Uh, so if that is your readership, then a, um, a white paper is clearly where you're going to spend your money because that's how they want to access that material. Yeah, 
The converse, of course, is true. If you're trying to get uh, um, in touch with, say, 18-year-olds, yeah, mm-hmm. chances are 18-year-olds are not going to download a PDF white paper. Um, they would much rather see maybe a, a sort of interactive uh, app on their phones or they would rather see something that's more interesting on a, on a landing page on a website, which, they, again, they can access on their phones. It's that understanding of who these people are, uh, and then you create your, uh, your marketing collateral just for them. That's very interesting, Dave. We'll take a quick break now and be back with Dave Howe shortly. Tech Demand is a B2B platform who specialise in connecting organisations with their customers. Tech Demand create unique and engaging specialist content which is evergreen for generating campaign success. Visit the website tech-demand.com to discover how Tech Demand can help you. You're listening to Tech Demand Weekly and we're with content writer Dave Howe. So far, we've discussed where white papers fit into any marketing strategy and how they are still relevant today, as long as you know your audience. Let's get back to Dave now. I asked him where you should begin when starting to write a white paper. Really, when you're trying to to organise what a white paper is going to be for for you, um, the the first question is audience. Always audience, audience, audience. Who is it for? Um, This is not just white papers. It's any material. You know, when you're writing a novel, you know, you're, you're aiming that at a particular audience. When you're writing a blog post, you're aiming that at a particular audience. And likewise with white papers. Um, you must understand your audience in, in as much detail as possible. You know, if, that's, if that means spending a lot of time and potentially some money understanding who that audience is, I think that's money very well spent. Um, if, you, if your audience is out of focus and you just can't quite see who they are then i would say stop don't do any more work on your actually creating the white paper until you understand who these people are that's the key because after all any materials you create the white paper itself and the other materials might be that wrap around that has to be clearly focused on who these people are um that's that's the core of really what a, a, a white paper should be it should be um all the information encapsulated in uh, an easy-to-read uh, document uh, that the core readership um, really does want to read. Um, you, everyone's read the sort of statistics of people download dozens and of, of white papers and they never get read uh, for, for various uh, various reasons. I would argue that yes, that may be the case in in, in, in some degree, but I think if if someone is um, really looking to purchase a service or, or a, a product, and they are motivated to to look for information. And um, if that information is encapsulated and written just for them, they're going to read it. They will. Um, it's it's something that they're motivated to do. You know, they're, they're, maybe they're right at the top of the sales funnel, but by the time they get sort of halfway down, they're getting very close to maybe purchasing decisions. The information that you can give them is going to become extremely important, and it will get read. Um, but it has to be fundamentally written for that audience. That's that's the c- core thing with these, uh, that you have to understand your audience. So the audience is basically dictating everything and anything about your white paper and, and, and about your overall content marketing strategy then? That's right, because it's the old adage. Um, marketers have been banging on about this for years. They, they, talk, they, they always say to, to businesses, um, whatever it is you've created, a service or, or a product, um, the audience out there doesn't give a monkeys about features. Um, and 
what it can do and how fantastic it is and how groundbreaking it is. They really do not care. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of marketing materials and papers are written, which is just a features list. It, you, you, that's not going to work. Um, the core of these things has to be benefits. It's that features versus benefits. Because the guy that's reading the paper, first question that he's asking is, what's this stuff going to do for me or my business? You know, is, what's it going to do? Is it going to get me more customers? Is it going to save me money? Is it going to reduce my costs? Whatever it is, that's what he's interested in. He's interested in the benefits to him. Not a feature list, um, not how fantastically good your piece of software is and how you can leverage the cloud uh, better than you have before. He really doesn't care. All he cares about is what it can do for him. And that's really where the focus should be when you're creating the content. Think about benefits for your end user, not features of your um, the business that you're trying to, to promote or the software or the service or whatever it is. That goes in there, certainly, but that's not the focus. It has to be benefits and benefits and more benefits. That's that's the key. Let's say I'm in the market for a new pair of running shoes. I'll go on the internet and easily find information on the newest trainers from Nike or Adidas, for example. The less well-known shoe manufacturer will be a lot further down the list. How would a startup or an SME convey their authority through a white paper in order to help them compete with the big boys? Um, it's difficult for startups, certainly, because they have no track record. Um, it's it can be it can be a bit of a, a steep learning curve. Um, let's put startups uh, to one side for a second. The the established businesses, um, it's really where you are in the marketplace. It's it's looking at um, any kind of um, materials which you can uh, use in your white paper um, that give you that uh, that sort of gravitas in the marketplace. Um, Often, businesses that have been around for a while, um, they, they uh, maybe get mentioned in uh, a lot of the uh, materials which some of the big consultancy firms put out. So if, you're, if your business has been mentioned by Forrester or Gartner or whoever, as maybe um, on, their sort of, on their radar as a, as a business to watch, then clearly you're going to shout about that in your white paper uh, because they, they are the authority in whatever sector it is. And they've said, look at these businesses. We think these guys are uh, people to watch. Shout about that in your white paper because that gives your business the, the, the authority. Um, now, startups. Startups is a little bit different because um, clearly they need to, um, again, focus on their, their, core, their core customers. Who are they? That kind, of, uh, that kind of material. But if they're a startup, I would argue that they, they, they started up for, for that reason. They looked around, they saw a gap in the marketplace, and that gap in the marketplace must have had customers because why would you create a, a new business if you didn't think there was a customer base for it? Now, in that case, it's really framing your argument around um, why your business is different. Why are you disrupting, say, uh, the financial sector? At the moment, there's a shed load of materials out there on fintech. Fintech is very sexy at the moment. A uh, lot of sort of AI machine learning startups uh, for, for the same kind of reasons they are hoping to disrupt some uh, quite um, um, entrenched um, markets if they, uh, if they can create uh, uh, their applications and services to do that. So it's, 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 it's one of those areas where it's all about going out there and I guess sort of talking to your audience. Um, if we take sort of uh, fintech as an example, um, if you were to start in that sector, say, okay, we're going to disrupt um, mobile payments. We have a new system, whatever it is. 
Um, how are we going to convince, uh, say, the, the millennial groups that uh, you know, use our system because it's fantastic and wonderful? Well, I would argue that you go out there and you, you talk to, to that group. Um, you uh, use your social media. Uh, you, um, you actually go out there and um, look for uh, individuals and groups that can become your brand advocates. Established companies that probably already have those people um, which they uh, sort of feed with information. Um, key influencers and advocates can be very powerful uh, people within their uh, networks. If you're a startup, look for these people, look for these groups, um, you know, uh, cultivate that relationship uh, because these are the people that will um, ultimately be uh, a very good channel for your white paper or whatever the marketing materials that you've created. Um, these guys will be the people that will be disseminating it. Yes, you can do a brute force attack on just putting Facebook ads up or doing uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter ads, etc. But I would argue that you can be a little bit more intelligent than that. You can look at uh, your marketplace, look at again who are your who are your core customers for for this material, and and just make a connection. Uh, you know, look for these people, um, and that gives a startup say. Um, I guess a way of framing their uh, their argument and saying, look, we have this material based on this business. Um, you know, we've done the research. Uh, we we think there's a gap in the marketplace. Um, you know, can we uh, can we uh, can we have a connection? Can we have a relationship with you, and therefore tap into your uh, your network? So one of the things Karata.com said was that 76% of buyers are most willing to register for and, and then share information about themselves in exchange for white papers. Um, so how can you measure the results in terms of your return on investment of a white paper? Well, measurement is, uh, it, it's always one of those tricky ones, isn't it? Um, it's... It's something you can clearly track based on uh, based on metrics. Yeah, if you put a, a form somewhere to, to to download a white paper, you can track who filled the form in and who came to your site. You know, the, those uh, those analytics are, are still there. Whether they converted, of course, that's uh, that's a, a different matter uh, entirely. But I'd, I'd argue that if you if you set up the correct analytics, um, you you can track that fairly closely. You can see if some people some people did hit. You know the the landing page which you which you created, where they come from, which geographical areas, that kind of thing. Uh, so you can certainly see that. Um, and if anyone then did did actually act on your uh, your call to action, whatever that may be, you know more information, call us, uh, you, you send send us your email, etc. That that kind of thing, and we'll start a a conversation um, uh, that way. Um, it's all about um, how you how you capture the information. You know, um, it depends on what you want uh, someone to to actually uh, do. Now, often it's going to be give us your email address. Ultimately, that's that's what a lot of this material is, is all about. Come here. Yes, you're convinced that uh, I, that my service is, uh, is, is ideal for your business. Give us your email address and we'll make a, a connection um, uh, with you and send you more materials, etc. And then start the sales process. That's 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 how uh, how you how you actually do that. Um, now, clearly, uh, today, because we are sitting in a world post-GDPR, um, you have to make sure that you've, you've asked permissions and all the security is in place, etc. And the general public are now very sensitive, I think. They've suddenly woke up to the fact that giving away personal information, even an email address, um, could open them up to some, some issues with, with security. 
Um, so that all has to be in place before uh, before you actually um, act on a on a call to action. That's, it's not complex. It's uh, it's just a case of um, having systems in place so you can say, yeah, someone's asked me to send them information, and then they've given me explicit consent to send them information based on the information they've given me, i.e., an email address or a phone number. That's that's really all you need to do to comply with uh, with GD, uh, GDPR. Um, after that, it's just really uh, nurture that uh, that that new relationship. You know, uh, it's 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 uh, it's the old thing with with marketing, wherever it was in the old days. It's it's start a conversation and keep that conversation moving forward until hopefully it ends with uh, with a um, with a sale. Um, whether you can prove ROI, I guess yes, you can to a degree. Uh, you could say X number of people. Did download the paper. They did come to the website. They did give us an email, and of those people, they did buy our software. So you, you can show that I think with uh, with that kind of um, uh, sales uh, sales journey, um, and every single step of that just needs to be carefully you know, carefully managed. Um, you know, don't hit people uh, with an email every single day once you once they're given your email address because they'll just switch you off. Because don't forget. GDPR. Um, one of the key parts of that is the um, uh, right to be forgotten. Uh, and you know, if, so if if you annoy people, they will just switch you off. Uh, it's uh, it's as simple as that. So care needs to be taken with with new relationships to make sure that they they stay live and active. Um, but um, you also need to make sure you're sending people um, materials uh, that are you know relevant and useful useful to them. Uh, if they do, then you know they they will continue that relationship with with your business, and, and hopefully they will turn into um, very loyal customers. And finally, what do you see as the future for the white paper? I think the white paper as a as a as a sort of information mechanism or a sales mechanism hasn't really changed a great deal. It's it's still a way of encompassing uh, businesses, um, you know, new products or services. Um, Offering a uh, you know a, a condensed and concise overview of what that is and how it can benefit uh, whoever's downloaded the the paper. Um, I think it's true that because of the way um, a lot of the digital material out there can be accessed, they they have a place. Uh, I, I think, as I said earlier, um, if your audience uh, is uh, is older. Um, they're going to be used to accessing information in that way, and they're not going to to change. Um, I think the the white paper, as a standalone piece of, uh, of written material that's delivered as a as a PDF, uh, usually that's going to be around for uh, forever. I think it's 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 certainly proved its its value, and for a large percentage of an audience, uh, that's how they want to to access uh, access information. I always think it's quite interesting when uh, businesses put stuff on their websites or, or whatever, um, and that's all fantastic and, and, and great. And then uh, what often happens, of course, is uh, maybe an older older generation uh, uh, business which is looking for those services, they'll just print this stuff off and then read it at some point in the future. Um, so clearly, having that as a as a digital form. Um, isn't the end game for them. They would rather still print something up and read it later on. So a white paper is still very useful uh, for them. Now, um, the future is probably something very different. Those will, those kinds of papers will still exist, but clearly they're going to evolve into uh, into something else, you know, or at least they're, they're going to have a, a different spin on how 
how information is delivered to an audience. Um, that's uh, that's that's how I see these things going. Um, often I see uh, see uh, sort of micro uh, websites which are put together by businesses to showcase a new service or a product or, or whatever it is. Um, some of the big consultancy firms, when they, when they have a new report, they'll put together a, a little uh, micro site which talks about the report. There's video on there, audio, motion graphics, whatever. But you could argue that's also a kind of white paper, isn't it? Um, but it's being accessed quite differently by the audience. And I would argue the audience for that material is, is quite different than a traditional white paper. Um, and if you then, I guess, think it through, the, the next logical step is to, to move that material to, uh, to mobile devices. So what's a, what's a white paper look like on my phone, for instance? Sure, I can open a PDF on my phone, but that's really not using the device to its best, uh, best ability. So are we going to see uh, sort of white paper apps in the future? Yes, I think we will, um, because it's a great way of encompassing materials video again, audio, because all this material, this multimedia can be displayed quite easily and created quite easily for, for mobile devices. Um, so again, let's, let's talk about the millennial group. Would they rather download a white paper app to their phone or a PDF? I would argue they would rather download the app. Dave Howell there. You can contact him through his website, nexuspublishing.co.uk. And don't forget, you can see more information around white papers and how to write them effectively on our website, tech-demand.com. If you'd like to appear on the show or have any comments about the show, any questions that you feel we didn't get to ask Dave Howell, then you can contact us on our email address, podcast at tech-demand.com. Next week, we'll be speaking to Jeff Sass about how you can repurpose your existing content and make it shine once more. Join me, Charles Commons, on the next episode of Tech Demand Weekly.